0: All right, today we're joined by Molly Bonnesteiner. Molly, I always have such a great time whenever we get a chance to connect, so glad that you're on the show joining us.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me today. Happy to be here.
0: Yeah, so you've led um, quite a few teams. I'm gonna just kind of give you a brief intro to the audience and uh, to know who you are, because I know you very well, and <laughs> I would love my audience to know you just as well, if not better, so. Um, Molly's a, an experienced operations professional with a demonstrated track record of utilizing technology to support operational processes that drive performance and innovation. Most recently, she led Global Revenue Ops Strategy and Planning at Deal—that's that's D-E-E-L, because I always get confused, she <laughs> currently runs her own consulting practice helping organizations further define, implement, and scale revenue operations. She has over 12 years of experience in both B2C and B2B operations and technology. And when she's not working, Molly enjoys spending time with her husband, three small children, and two large dogs. Uh, By the way, what kind of dogs do you have?
1: I have a Bernese Mountain Dog and a Golden Poodle. So, um, two huge dogs.
0: (laughs) You were not kidding. Those are two massive dogs. (laughs) Do you think they'll be joining us today, or uh, they're kind of tucked away in the back?
1: You'll probably see them wandering around. It depends on if they get hungry or not.
0: Yeah, I think... So my uh, my wife and I we have a Chihuahua terriers and now we're near the size of your two dogs.
1: Looks like your dog is probably the size of our Bernie's mountain dog's paw.
0: Uh, yeah, my, my dog's a snack.
1: <laughs> yeah, she, she's a she's over a hundred pounds and just turned one, so it's going to be a, an interesting ride with her.
0: Oh, uh, so today I wanted to kind of dive into you know one of our pillars uh, on the podcast, which is um, you know your data should be kind of. Uh, Your source of truth and so uh, i'd love to not just dive into the data but really dive into processes to develop a single source of truth and i know that term is bandied about quite a bit so i'm gonna go a little websters on you provide my definition perfect love to dig into your own definition so uh single source of truth or uh ssots some folks might want to put it in the slide you know the practice of structuring information models and associated data schemas so that each data element is Mastered in only one place, providing data normalization to a canonical form, and so I try to bold some of that in information models, data element only in one place and canonical form. So that's how I kind of define the source of truth. I'd, I'd be curious to see, you know, how you think about the processes leading up to that single source of truth.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I think you know aligning with your definition. Like I, I'm not, I'm not arguing with your definition, right? I think the way single source of truth gets portrayed around organizations doesn't necessarily follow that, right? It's like everything in one place, exactly where you need it all the time, which isn't how data works, right? Data is fluid, data is changing based on what you're trying to do. Um, your sources and your systems, you know, aren't always in sync at any point in time, and nor should they be, right? Like that's maybe not actually reality for your business. So part of this, as I think about, you know, just data as a whole. And when we talk about, you know, our single source of truth for data, like you actually need to make sure you're creating the processes to produce the data. Right. And this is the part that I think businesses get really hung up on. It's my reporting's wrong. My data's wrong. It's incorrect, but it's actually data is a byproduct of process. So your inputs are or your outputs are only as good as your inputs and your inputs are only as good as your process, your adherence and like the technology that you've built to generate that data and support that. And so that's where, you know, I think as you're thinking about, you know, what you're trying to do and the reports that you want, right? Everyone's like, "Oh, I want to see this, I want to see that, I want to see this." How do you actually take a step back from that and build that true data pack that you're hoping to get, right? Your output and develop the right inputs to generate that. And then that goes into how do we source this? Where do we store it? What does that look like? And how do we actually then extract from, you know, our single source of truth. I'll try not to air quote that too much, but I think you have multiple probably sources of truth potentially based yeah. on business.
0: I think it's it starts with the query and the questions, right? And then you work back yeah. from there. I often think sometimes when you are asked a question, you do not have the, you have a leaky bucket somewhere yep. across all your plumbing and you finally go through all your plumbing, get to the fountainhead and realize there's a leak along the way. Or perhaps your plumbing was just set up incorrectly right? Like yep. you just realize it's not crisscrossing certain rooms or the pressure is wrong. So the same thing happens day to day with the systems. Uh, I'm curious, um, you know, some of the more recent, you know, classic tensions between sales and marketing, like what's a common, you know, framework or question that you've been asked where you had to get two different, you know, truths or two different queries together, and then work backwards from there to get those two to work together.
1: Yeah. I think when you, you know, if we take the example of like the sales and marketing attribution always becomes like that, that cracks, right. Um, You know, sales is looking at opportunity source. Marketing is looking at like the actual, you know, first touch attribution that potentially generated the a- record versus the true opportunity. And so, you know, both it's, you know, it's one of those things it's like they're both not wrong. Right. Like, but they're also not right if you're not aligned in how you're reporting and how you're structuring it. And that's ultimately what you need to get at is the clear definition and not only the business definition, but also the technical definition of how you're going to report on things. And so I think that's a you know that's just a common example that you run into. Marketing shows up with their numbers, sales shows up with their numbers and they don't match. Well, their definitions aren't aligned. So not gonna match, right? Um, it's obvious, but it's been taking that step that step backwards and building that alignment and building that consistency and the accountability for how you're going to report.
0: I always think one of those sweat creating moments is when someone walks in and says, let me look at this report, it's based on create date as opposed to close date. Like for example, like the conversation around renewal versus retention, You know, they're similar, but they're quite different, right? So you know, we wanna make sure we drill down into the definitions, speak very clearly. Okay. I'd be curious about you know the importance of maybe alignment or documentation and how you go about building up those processes from the ground up.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think you know the first step is the first step is the conversation, right? It's really building the dialogue and getting that alignment of like what are we reporting on? what is our standard? you know what are the key the key KPIs, the key metrics that are going into our data pack, how we're going to use those. And then making sure, like, once we've got the top level, right, customer is a great example. We want to know our count of customers. Okay, let's everybody in the room align that we want to know our count of customers. Now, the next step is, well, what is a customer? You know, one of the things that I love asking um, companies that go go into is, what's your definition of new versus existing business? Generally, you'll get different answers depending who you're talking to, right? So you want to be really clear on, you know, okay, this is what we want as the top level. Now let's go the step deeper and actually say, what is a customer? How do we define that? You know, what is the true business definition of that? And then what is the process that generates the output that indicates that somebody is a customer? Is it, you know, the one stage on the opportunity that then goes back? Is it a unique ID that comes in from product? How do we know that they're active versus inactive or churned, you know, and that goes into the whole definition of the funnel, but like taking those steps down to really solidify and then document that definition. And then the other piece of this is publishing that definition. So whenever I'd go into a QBR or like an OKR review, anywhere that you're presenting the metrics, having your table of contents on those metrics too. So it's again, very clear what it means at any point in time or making sure you've got your data dictionary handy.
0: Absolutely. So, with all that, right? Like, I'd be curious about the difference in reception of these processes, these data dictionaries, from like your executives down to your front line. Like, how do those two audiences tend to perceive, you know, these new processes um, and the data dictionary? Because I find that personally, the executives don't have enough time to kind of go through all, maybe the pre-read or the post-read, yeah, in the meeting to pause and make sure that you're aligned on the definition. And then on the front line, sometimes folks are moving so fast, they just kind of forget the rules of the road, especially when they're updating uh, the CRM.
1: Yeah. And I think that's, you know, I generally, if I'm doing, you know, DBT definitions, not expecting the CEO to go in there and, and confirm and check that, right? So making sure, you know, if you I'm presenting in a slide deck, you know, consistently having the one slide that's got kind of everything in there, not expecting them to go in and read the SQL query that's producing it, but giving them enough context so that they know what it is. And again, consistency after you have that alignment. I would tell you that if your C-level is not willing to sit in a room and align on core business definitions, they probably shouldn't be in your C-level because if they're ultimately accountable for what they're um, reporting back to your board or investors or advisors, they should probably know what you're considering a customer and what you're considering, you know, NRR, NDR, any of the key key metrics, CAC, right? They should be able to explain those metrics and what goes into them. So they should be a part of signing off on them.
0: I find it inspiring when leaders are able to dig in, define the metric for what it is and all the little intricacies behind the scenes. And it cascades down to the rest of the organization. And it it signals a level of seriousness of how to to make sure that these metrics are embedded in your day-to-day. So and it's not that, like
1: we're talking about hundreds of metrics, right? Like you really probably have 10 core operating metrics at the end of the day. So like get those right. And then everything should stem from those.
0: Yeah. When you think about these dashboards, like for example, um, when to they get a little bit into the byproduct, yeah. these good processes, the data, and more importantly than the data, the insights, um, curious to hear, you know, when you think about the different levels in your org, how do you present the data or the insights? Are you are you signaling the same metrics to, to each level of the org or kind of presenting a, a panoply of data depending on the audience that you're, you're looking at?
1: I think it depends on the audience you're looking at, right? Everything pretty well stems from those beginning metrics. But when you look at kind of what, what what is data supposed to do, right? Data is supposed to tell a story. It's supposed to ultimately drive behavior and action. You should either keep doing something or do something different kind of based on what you're trying to... Adjust in the data and um, move, right? or dials, levers, all that good stuff. So you know if I'm looking at presenting something to an SDR leader, you know what am i what am I actually presenting? right? What is the behavior that I'm trying to drive? I'm probably looking at you know what is pipeline? how are how's your team producing pipeline? Not the you know I care about how much pipeline they're producing, but I care also about how are they producing the pipeline. And understanding the how lets me figure out what can we do to adjust that and improve that, or um, see what's working or not working. So you're going into different levels of detail, like the further you go down, because that's where the more tactical decisions are being made and outputs and actions come from.
0: That's great. So beyond the pipeline, I always think about the the unlock down the road, which is yep. truly the you know the revenue or the bookings that you're bringing in. You know, how does that mixture of product or process and governance and those definitions, you know, how does that unlock, you know, the end goal, which is, you know, higher quality revenue?
1: I think one of the big things is consistency, right? So like, I know we talk fuzzy data can still show trends, right? But like consistent data month over month, like actually is really what gives you that narrative and lets you truly see performance management. I think one of the hardest things is if you're constantly changing your definitions and constantly pivoting kind of your KPIs and what you're measuring against, it's really hard to scale. And build repetition in things that are working and test against that repetition to then further optimize, right? And so I think that's one of the big things when you think about like process. You know, process should be fluid, process can adjust, but like you still should have some level of like core understanding. Like you shouldn't be changing your fundamental MQL definition every month because then you're not gonna have historical data.
0: I think it creates too much thrash as well, right? So, yeah. Your SDR organization has to be able to understand you know what their activity metrics their baseline should be in order to set up you know qualified meeting. How do you define that qualified meeting? How do you know what's best in class? If you change the underlying you know personas or targets or even the metrics, then you, you potentially are rewriting kind of the starting point, the starting line for your organization. Yeah. Now we talked about um, you know partnering with uh, maybe enablement, you know, you provide the metrics to management and enablement. Now that you have, you know, the data The be- because due to the process. How does that cascade across to kind of your enablement partners so that they're able to di- use the data to then diagnose and specifically coach the business or, or at least change a couple of things here and there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, especially pending where enablement truly sits within your organization, you know, you should have that close close partnership and, you know, they should be working then with the frontline managers and leaders to say like, Hey, here's what we're seeing. Here's how it's trending. Like, here's what we, we should implement to adjust. Right. And starting to refine more of like the execution or the tactics that you're applying and having them those baselines to go back to. Um, and again, I think enablement gets really, really squishy um, because there's so many different components of enablement versus like do you actually have, you know, a data analyst that's working with, with the team too to help drive kind of some of those insights and behaviors as well? So um, for the audience, like even if you don't have enablement, right, who can help tell that story and help brainstorm and help help measure against what you're trying to change?
0: Now with the data itself, I'm thinking through, um, you know, the culture of either self-serve or working through, um, you know, an intermediary like a revenue ops sales ops organization, you know, how do you, how do you approach, you know, developing kind of the self-serve culture, building reporting, uh, RevOps team? Like, how do you think about servicing the customer about, uh, with, with that balance?
1: Yeah, I probably have, I have a pretty firm take on this and it's not, not that I won't be flexible, but I, I don't think RevOps should be building Salesforce reports, right? I think that there's, Salesforce reports that RevOps like can build based on the complexity, right? If you're trying to do, you know, different object joins or cross filters or doing um, different formulas that might be, might be outside of, you know, the scope of, you know, what maybe your sales leadership can do. But what I like to do is again, you come in, you define those metrics that you're looking to measure. You're setting up kind of that core data pack, that dashboard that you can have in Salesforce. Um, You know, again, hot take Salesforce. Sometimes isn't great for reporting based on what you're trying to report on, and you might need to use a different BI tool that joins Salesforce data with, you know, ERP or service data or product usage that doesn't sit in Salesforce. Right. So again, Salesforce isn't great for historicals. I think we all all know that, but um, probably a different conversation. But I like to build kind of baseline templates. Right, so like if you've set Salesforce up the right way or CRM up the right way, you know leaders can use the hierarchy, see what they need to see, but should be empowered to modify based on their needs. And that's where having good CRM hygiene, so making sure you're using the help text and the descriptions on fields, so they know what things mean when it's squishy, um, come into play, so they can actually self-service, right? And that's where I think giving them giving them the information that they need the definitions that they need and kind of the framework allows them to be able to build their reports. When, you know, when I was that deal and we had, you know, a thousand, thousand plus Salesforce users, I could just build Salesforce reports all day. Like that would be a full-time job. And it's better to empower your users to self-service, be able to manage themselves. But before they can do that, they actually have to understand the process and the data.
0: Now with that, I think you think, I keep thinking through uh, partnering with a a data science or a data org. Have you found yourself in a position where you had a partner that, you know, abstracted away from specific systems, just focused on the quality of data? What was your interaction with with those orgs?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I worked with a really great data analytics insights engineering team. They were kind of, you know, when you talk about those different terms, right, they were a data team. So not only did they have, you know, our data engineers that are actually producing data products and moving things apart, but also had you know, the analyst within the org and understood kind of what does the data mean? How does it represent? And so building relationships with them was key because ultimately they help produce kind of the outputs, the visualizations, but then also could help support the business in terms of what are we seeing? What's the narrative and helping to tell the story behind it. And I know, you know, those orgs, I've not worked in a company where that org has always been the same. So sometimes you get really far on like the data product and engineering and they're like, no, my job is just to move data. And sometimes you get really far on the, I'm an analyst, but don't actually know how to produce the data. So it's getting that good mix of kind of that team structure that can work together and really complement each other.
0: Yeah, I think the larger the organization, the more fragmentation you potentially see. you're one, maybe two orgs removed. And so relationship building becomes paramount, making sure that you can influence without authority and being able to, to clearly define the business goal and identify, you know, how do we work with this other group who may have competing priorities internally? And uh, I think that's a tough, that's a tough, tough one.
1: One of my favorite questions to ask, and I'm curious on your take on this, because I've gotten into maybe pickles before, but like who owns data, right? So who owns the data in a company?
0: Yeah, the way I think about it is ultimately the business owner. Um, In this case, it could be uh, the chief revenue officer and then by delegation, probably their appropriate sales managers, depends on the query. If it's the customer data, existing data, then I think it's owned by the CX organization because they need to have a kind of high level of um, verifiable truth in how they describe their customer. And that goes beyond just simple the account and company data, you're looking at their product usage metrics. You're looking at the conversations that are happening at the business review level. You're looking at their support and how they were able to be serviced by the organization. So the way I think about the data, it's owned by the business owner and there are different portions of business ownership across all these different teams. And so um, when we're thinking about these structures, you want to make sure that we have a core data set at the foundational level and then the ability to answer you know, different queries at the edge where you're know that you still sourcing from the same data model. Uh, then there's some signals that get mixed, though, because there are a lot of business terms that kind of sound similar to one another, like retention, renewal is the one I think of most often, um, MQL versus regular leads. Um, you know, these are the metrics that can be conflated quite often. And so a lot of coordination at the leadership level needs to be discussed. And what helps there, in my opinion, is to put an end to end journey and all of your different stops along the way, and then your conversion rates. And you annotate, you know, what's the metric and what are the different flavors of those metrics that different folks might pepper in to different meetings. And so there's a quite a bit of calibration that has to happen across the entire board.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's. Um, I like the the business owner owns the data, right? And I think. I've been in situations where they're like, no, RevOps owns the data. And, you know, my response back to that is like, I absolutely own making sure that we're producing the right quality of data and the right output of data, meaning that, you know, based on the normalization, the governance standards, you know, how we need to make sure things are hygiened comes out through what we're building, but I don't actually own said data.
0: I agree with you. I think RevOps is on the hook for the processes. And shepherding the definitions and then getting the systems to work together with one another, making it interoperable, allowing it to sync at the appropriate time, and then communicating that those data and those insights out to the business partners. Um, but ultimately, the decisions and the actions, you know, that's not just RevOps alone working in a vacuum. You have to be working with your stakeholders.
1: Yeah, it's like I can own the data if you want me to, but I don't think I should, right? Um, and so I know I've had rounds, rounds and rounds of those conversations before. So I appreciate your your feedback on that.
0: Yeah. You know, every single time. I think you you ran a segment before I joined I joined you as so you're obviously a qualified host. So anytime we get to do this, you know, we've got to turn the tables on me and you ask me questions.
1: <laughs> I know. I'm <laughs> like, I gotta take advantage of picking your brain too.
0: Yeah, let's do it. Uh, so you know before uh, we 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 end off here, I would love to you know get one or two golden nuggets you know, what what do you wish you knew back then, what you know now in your career? I'd be curious if you go back you know, fifteen years in your career, like what would you what would you give advice to yourself, to your younger self?
1: Yeah, I think um, you know a couple of the things that just as I've continued to mature um, in revenue operations and revenue operations has become more defined, right? One of the things I think a lot about is documentation. There's so much um, that doesn't get documented well and like taking the step and taking kind of the the pause to document, you know, the average tenure of a rev ops person, I think is around 15 months within a role. And so you think about, you know, a lot gets done in that time period, a lot can change. And just to the point on like, again, back to data is like, hey, yeah, we made this decision with our MQL on June 1st of 2022. If I leave a company, that knowledge that that happened goes with me. And when we start to look at historicals, we don't know why. And so making sure like you put the time, energy and effort into documentation um, and that becomes kind of a guidance of of your business, I think is really, just really important um, from a RevOps perspective. The other thing that I would encourage people to do is is understand the data right and be okay asking what goes into this because a lot of times when you're working with somebody who's maybe more technical um, on the data analytics side and they're doing you know the sequel and the pieces that maybe you don't understand right it's okay to question what's going into the data model right i think especially when things don't look right um, i remember working you know with with the data Data engineer who was pulling all leads in and not excluding converted, right? So we were double counting leads and contacts when we made the joins, like making sure like just simple things where they're not going to understand that, but you do understand that system to make sure you're really working together. So don't be intimidated in questioning somebody who maybe his competency is more technical than yours. If you have, you know, the systems expertise and like the business process piece.
0: I love that. At some point when you enter an org and you realize that the the earliest layers of archaeology with some companies, you realize there's not a lot of, you know, baked clay tablets that explain everything that happened in the previous org. So you have to do a little bit of discovery. And those folks in the company, they're like real historians. And those are valuable sources of knowledge if you can tap into them. Hey, Molly, appreciate having you on.
1: Uh,
0: You're such a wealth of knowledge. And uh, hopefully we get to have you on again.
1: Thanks so much for having me.